Welcome back to our study of the doctrine of the Trinity. In our last session, we began talking about the Holy Spirit. And we focused on two truths in relation to the Holy Spirit. Number one, that the Holy Spirit is God. He's fully equal with the Father and the Son. He is divine. And second of all, that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not merely a force but he is a person. The Bible says he intercedes for us, that we should not grieve him. Speaks of the Spirit having a mind. And so the Spirit is not merely a force, he's a person, and the Spirit is God. Peter can speak interchangeably in Acts chapter 5 about lying to God and lying to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is God. Now in this session, we're going to talk about some false teaching that cropped up in relation to the Holy Spirit in the early church that helps us think more clearly about the truth the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. You might have wondered, after talking about Arianism, right, that cropped up with a false teaching about the Son, Arianism taught that there was a time when the Son was not, that He was not eternal, that He was not equal with the Father, you might wonder, was there something similar that happened with the Holy Spirit? Were there people who denied that the Holy Spirit was God? And in fact, there were. Uh, and interestingly, uh, it was Athanasius who addressed both of these problems. Athanasius uh, stood up against Arianism and said, no, the Son is eternal. He's fully equal with God. And he also responded to some false teaching about the Holy Spirit. Uh, he did this in some letters that are called the Letters to Serapion, where he deals with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And here's the problem that was going on. And again, this is important for us, in part because it can help us think more clearly about what the Bible does and doesn't say about the Holy Spirit. So here's what he says. He says, you wrote that certain ones who have withdrawn from the Arians on account of their blasphemy against the Son of God have nonetheless set their minds against the Holy Spirit, claiming not only that he is a creature, but also that he is one of the ministering spirits. There he's referencing Hebrews 1.14. And is different from the angels only in degree. Okay, so notice this. These are people who Athanasius says they recognize that the Arians were wrong about the Son of God. But now they are making a serious error, in fact, a similar error, about the Holy Spirit. They believe that the Holy Spirit is a creature. He's not God, the Creator, but He's something created by God. And they think that He is... He, that he differs from the angels only in degree. In other words, he's not a totally different kind of being in a totally different class or category than angels, like God is. God is the creator. Angels are created beings. That's not how they think about the Holy Spirit. They think about the Holy Spirit as being different from angels only in degree. Like maybe he's greater than the angels, but he was still a creature like the angels. Now, all of this is problematic. All of this is wrong. All of this is contradictory to Scripture. The Holy Spirit is not a creature any more than the Son is a creature. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all eternal. They're all God. They're all equal with one another. And so, of course, the Holy Spirit does not differ from angels only in degree. 
he differs from angels just as much as the Father and the Son differ from angels because, again, they are one God eternally existing in three persons. They are not creatures. They were not created. Instead, they are the creators or the creator of angels, right? One God, three persons. So he draws attention, Athanasius does, to how similar this heresy is, this false teaching is, to Arianism, right? And uh, he is going to explain where, or is going to show um, where they're even getting this from, right? He, he says that their key text is Amos 4.13, which says, For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind, or spirit, and declares to man what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. And he, sa he says, on this basis, the Arians, or he says that the false teachers and those who believe them are saying, on this basis, the Arians have persuaded us when they say the Holy Spirit is a creature. So they're looking at Amos 4.13, which talks about God creating spirit, and they're saying, yeah, that makes sense. The Holy Spirit must be a creature. Now, what is wrong with this? Well, Athanasius, one of the things that he says is wrong with this group of people is not only that they have come to the wrong conclusion about the Holy Spirit, believing he's a creature, but they've gotten to this conclusion by reading the Bible the wrong way, right? He says, what mode of exegesis, and that's another word for interpretation, right? What mode of exegesis is responsible for this great error of yours, he says. And then he says, out of sheer audacity, you have invented your own mode of exegesis and claim that the Spirit said to be created is nothing other than the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, if you would read the Bible properly, if you would interpret it correctly, you would not come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit is a creature based on Scripture, because that's not what Scripture says. And there's an important principle there, right? That even people who embrace and or teach false things, um, like in, in cults and heretical groups that are somehow tied to Christianity, they often use the Bible. It's not that they haven't read any of the Bible. It's not that they haven't tried to understand any part of the Bible. It's that they have misunderstood the Bible. Right? They have misinterpreted the Bible. They have not interpreted the Bible the way the Bible requires um, being interpreted. Right? They, have, um, they have interpreted the Bible incorrectly, right? And here's, here's what uh, Athanasius is, is getting at. He says, here, here's a specific example. He says, tell me, have you found any passages in the divine scriptures where the Holy Spirit is called spirit without qualification? And then he, he gives us several examples of what he means. Without being modified with either of God or of the Father or my or his or of Christ or of the Son or from me, that is from God, or with the definite article such that he is not called spirit without qualification, but the spirit or the very term the Holy Spirit or paraclete or of truth, that is of the Son who says, I am the truth in John 14, 6. Any passage which when you hear spirit without any qualification, you assume that it is the Holy Spirit. All right, so he says, you know, when you come across a passage 
Um, are you noticing, right, or if you notice, um, have you found any passages, he says, where the Holy Spirit is just called Spirit? He's not called the Spirit. He's not called the Spirit of God. He's not called the Spirit of Christ. Any passages that are clearly about the Holy Spirit where you just find the word Spirit without qualification. And here's what he says. In general, if Spirit is said without the definite article or without one of the aforementioned modifiers of God, of Christ, and so on, it cannot be the Holy Spirit who is signified. Now, he says that's true in general, so there are probably a few, a handful of exceptions, right? But he's saying, in general, if the Holy Spirit is spoken of, it's going to say, the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of Christ, on and on and on and on and on. Not just Spirit. And so not only does he say they were interpreting the Bible incorrectly, but also they weren't paying close enough attention to the details of the Bible. How do you know if this verse is about, like, maybe a human spirit, right? Or about the Holy Spirit? How do you know? Well, he says, have you found any places where the Bible is clearly talking about the Holy Spirit, but it just says spirit, not the spirit, not spirit of God? In general, that doesn't happen, right? So Athanasius, one of the things he's teaching us, one of the things we can learn from this controversy, right, is that there is a right way and a wrong way to interpret the Bible. Just because somebody can pull out a verse and quote it to you and give what seems on the surface like a reasonable explanation doesn't mean that they are actually telling you what that verse means. Right? They might have their version of what they think that verse means or how they would explain that verse. But if for example, somebody comes up with a way or tries to explain to you a way that they interpret John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, that actually ends up saying that the Word wasn't God, wasn't with God in the beginning. No matter how plausible they might make it sound, they're not interpreting the Bible correctly. Right? And one of the ways we guard against interpreting the Bible incorrectly is by paying attention to the details of the Bible. Now, finally, what did the church say in the early days of the church? What did the church confess about the Holy Spirit? Remember we talked about the Nicene Creed and how in the Nicene Creed uh, the church articulated what Christians believe the Bible teaches about the Son. Well, did they do something similar about the Holy Spirit. Well, in the original Nicene Creed from the Council of Nicaea, uh, evidently the Holy Spirit was not a point of controversy because at the end of that original Nicene Creed, they just said, we believe in the Holy Spirit. But later in 381, in, at the Council of Constantinople, they expanded the Nicene Creed, adding further clarity about what the church believes and confesses about the Holy Spirit, and this is now part of what we call the Nicene Creed. So the original Nicene Creed was expanded at the Council of Constantinople, and the scholars might call it the Niceno-Constantinopolitan Creed or something long like that. We just call it the Nicene Creed, even though it was developed some, added to after the Council of Nicaea at the Council of Constantinople. You didn't need to know all that, but there you go in case you wanted to. All right, so here's what the Nicene Creed says in its fuller form. It says, And in the Holy Spirit, so we believe in God the Father, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, 
and life giver who proceeds from the Father, and here's the key for us, who is worshipped and glorified together with the Father and Son who spoke through the prophets. I emphasize that phrase, who is worshipped and glorified together with the Father and the Son, because that's emphasizing that the Spirit is just as much God as the Father and the Son. He's just as worthy of worship. He's just as worthy of praise and honor and glory and devotion because He too is the Lord. He too is God. If God is a trinity, as the Bible makes clear that He is, if He eternally exists as uh, one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, again, as the Bible makes clear that He does, then all three persons are fully God and fully worthy of worship and glory. So should we worship the Holy Spirit? Yes, we should. In those great Trinitarian hymns that we have where we sing an entire verse devoted to the Holy Spirit, is that appropriate? Absolutely it is, because the Holy Spirit is God, just like the Son is God, just like the Father is God. And so from the early days of the church, Christians have believed and confessed that the Holy Spirit is God, and so we give the Holy Spirit glory, and we worship Him together with the Father and the Son. Amen.